0: Now, I want you to imagine putting a plate of vegetables in front of your vegetable-hating child, dialling up a setting on the side of the plate that's labelled chips, then you place an electronic pad on your child's temple, and then as they put that disgusting cauliflower in their mouth, it tastes like those delicious fingers of fried potato. Can this be true? That, along with allergy-free peanuts and bioengineered milk, are all up for discussion today. Hello, I'm Michael McKenzie. Welcome to RN First Bite. And you'll also meet gluten intolerant wheat farmers who make their own whole grain pasta that doesn't make them feel crap. Speaking of, here's a former restaurant chef that's trying to do the same thing where he works now.
1: When we were over in rehab, one of the rehab patients told him he hadn't eaten for eight days at Shenton Park because he hated the food and it was the first good meal he'd had in eight days. That's where the satisfaction comes. You know, it's not the big tip or the compliment of the restaurant. It's the patient saying, first thing I've eaten in eight days. And that, that makes you feel good.
0: For a long time, I've been endeavouring to do some coverage of hospital food and the kind of stigmas that go with that because all of us at some stage have known someone in our family, maybe even yourself, who's had institutionalised food. But it's not every day that I can enter the lift of a brand new hospital that, as I record this conversation with you now, is literally only days old in terms of opening. This is the Fiona Stanley Hospital, which has just opened its doors in Perth, and I thought here was a perfect opportunity to really talk about how to get it right from the get-go when it comes to providing food that people actually want to eat and makes them healthy at the same time. When I arrive, I'm ushered into a long granite entrance hall. It must go about 200 metres. That's interspersed with huge windows and public sculptures. It looks like an arts and cultural edifice, not somewhere where sick people get well. Who am I speaking to?
2: I'm Kat Lothian, Communications Manager for Circo at Fiona Stanley Hospital.
0: SERCO provides staff and services to hospitals, defence forces, detention centres and to governments in Australia, the UK, Europe, the US and Asia. In the case of the Fiona Stanley Hospital, SERCO has a 10-year, $1.3 billion contract with the West Australian Government to provide non-clinical services and one of those services is food.
2: You know, to see patients in here really is just phenomenal and so exciting.
0: We enter a brand new ward where the plastic is barely off the furniture and there's a touchscreen on an arm over the bed where you can make calls, listen to radio, watch television, order movies and order food.
2: The exciting and important thing about this is people will only be able to order the meals that are appropriate for their dietary requirements uh, or for their particular clinical situation. So if they're a diabetic, they'll only see food that's appropriate for them to eat.
0: So when they register and enter the hospital, mm-hmm. th- that data is automatically stored in a server which says this particular person goes with this particular profile of dietary mm-hmm. and nutritional input, therefore these are the only choices we're allowed to offer.
2: That's right. So we connect with the clinical clinical systems and the clinical systems tell us exactly what they're allowed to have. The other great thing about this is that they will see images of the food that they can expect to get and also they'll be able to look at the nutritional analysis in the food. So it's really about giving people very educated choices about what they're eating here.
0: But under full capacity, your kitchens could be making upwards of 3,000 meals a day.
2: Yeah, so about 2,200 meals a day we'll be making. I've seen the food, I've tasted the food and it is really great.
0: Can I taste the food too?
2: Of course, we'd love you to.
0: Oh, that's great. Let's go and try it. We're actually underneath ground level now in the hospital and it's like something out of Doctor Who, Cat, It wants you to get out of the way. What is this thing?
2: Please step aside. Well, Michael, this is an automated guided vehicle and we have 18 of them at Fiona Stanley Hospital. So Circo's purchased them as part of its uh, solution for internal logistics and they really move just the very heavy and regularly used supplies. That includes food trolleys, linen um, and other things around the hospital. So it really takes out the back-breaking trolley pushing of ages gone by.
0: And what it is, it looks like a giant stainless steel platform essentially with... Coloured keys on either end, and obviously a voice as well that says, "Get out of the way."
3: Please step aside. E.G. The approaching.
2: Please step aside.
0: So, would these robots be delivering food to wards?
2: So they they go just inside the ward. Uh, as they pick up the food trolley, they call the lift themselves. As they're approaching the ward, they send an SMS to our ward housekeeper. They drop off the food trolley and off they go. The ward housekeeper then comes and takes the food trolley and, uh, and docks it into a rethurn pod, which we'll talk about in a little while.
0: I feel like I'm on a spaceship. I've never heard anyone in a hospital talk like you're talking. You wait until we
2: get in the kitchen.
0: Okay. <laughs>
2: Please step aside.
0: G'day. John I'm Dave. Michael. This is Michael.
2: This is me, Michael.
0: Now, there's a lovely bloke here who's fitting me with a hairnet before we go into the kitchen. You better introduce yourself to everybody. Who are you?
4: Okay, I'm John Valentine, the catering manager for Serco. And
0: how's the kitchen been
4: performing? Oh, fantastic. You know, we're we're producing fresh food. All the produce is brought in raw. We have a team of chefs who who actually cook on site.
0: Now, we should explain this to people. That is a rare thing. I think it's safe to say in any state of Australia when it comes to public hospitals.
4: Yeah, I mean, in WA, we're we're the only tertiary hospital to produce fresh food on site. With a bit of chef sort of knowledge, we can knock up good quality meals with, with a reasonable amount of money.
1: Now we're going into the transfer room. Yeah, this is, the, um, this is the preparation area. So we run chefs in here to prepare the food that moves through into the cold larder area and then moves through into the hot kitchen. So it's more from a food safety perspective to sort of segregate the raw and cooked product. It's um, time for you to introduce yourself too. Who are I'm you? I'm Dave Diamond, the sushi chef for Circa. You're Dave Diamond, the, the sushi. I am. That's a great name. It is
0: a top name. You could do any <laughs> job in the world with that name. <laughs> you could work in a hospital, you could work in a casino. Or on a radio
1: station. Or on a radio yeah, station, yeah, yeah, yeah. commercial though. Uh, not, yeah, not, absolutely. Not, not ABC. No, 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 no. No, no.
0: John Valentine and Dave Diamond lead me on a tour through the hot kitchen where giant kettles cook and then chill the soups and sauces in the same pot. There's an enormous sous vide machine that looks like a stainless steel coffin in which they gently cook vacuum sealed meats at low temperatures to retain those nutrients, the tenderness and the flavour
1: without resorting to that enemy of all hospital diets, salt. My background was uh, 15 years as a head chef in small business. You bring a bit of savvy, certainly with budgets. You what is your budget, by the way? $15.82 a day. Fifteen eighty-two
0: per patient a day. For and six, that, meals. That's for six for, meals. For six meals. No, so that's, that's three main six, meals?
4: Yeah, that's, that's breakfast, lunch, and dinner, morning tea, afternoon tea, and supper.
0: And you're using all fresh ingredients that um, you're making on site into dishes themselves. Yeah. How do you do that?
4: It, we just do. <laughs>
0: this is the breakthrough as well isn't it because so often hospitals load your plate up with really unattractive food in too large a quantity that you wouldn't want to eat even if you were well because it's too much but you don't need that much food when you're lying down
1: no no the calories you burn just in situ aren't, aren't massive one point about the costs if you actually were to translate those costs into a restaurant scenario do your calculations add your GST you'd be looking at $70 retail so it's actually not as small as it may seem. And now where are we? Now This is the
0: training room. This part of the process is kind of the point again, isn't it? Because if you don't get absolutely dead on what that nutritional requirement
4: may be, you may be endangering someone's life. Absolutely. I mean, mean, that's why we also had to map those dishes to 70 individual different diet types. 70? 70. 70. There's a full, which is your your standard. There could be a soft, there could be a high-energy, high-protein. A lot of chemo patients with no tongues. Thickened fluids, level 150, level 400,
1: level 900. People with tracheotomies. Food intolerance, diet. So for chefs to do something a bit different, we've got tagines on the menu, we've got Greek spin a cup of pie on the menu. Well,
0: you two talk a good game. But now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. I want to taste all the food you're boasting about. Can I do that? Absolutely. Do you want me to tell you my dietary requirements? Everything. I love everything. (laughs) Braised beef and...
2: Olive casserole. And
0: olive casserole. Okay. Is that low salt? Yeah. You couldn't tell. That has got heaps of flavour.
1: Using reductions, deglazing pans, it's always the the French classically have used of extracting flavour, the best flavours they can from food. The regimes and types have changed these days, they don't focus so much on the old Escoffio way of cooking, and these classical techniques do work, and there's something that just get ingrained into you as a chef.
0: You've been open now, as we talk, scarcely more than a few days. You've had, I think, 83 people moved in here from another rehab hospital. Yep and this is your chance to really test for the first time whether this menu and thinking is working and I guess one of the ways of knowing that is how much is left on the plate. How's yeah, it been looking?
4: It's been looking fantastic. I mean, we we every day, uh, the ward housekeeper who delivers the food to the patients has been taking around a comment sheet. So she'll go in and just generally ask how was your meal and uh, most of the time it's thumbs up it's it's, it was great you know we can't we can't please everyone all at a time but 99% of the time the plates are empty and they've really enjoyed it and they're looking forward to ordering the next meal on the on the pes screen
0: what does the spell for the future you think of uh, public hospitals public institutions where food is served to a lot of people a lot of the time
4: I i think they will will certainly look and learn i think there's been an awful lot of interest nationally what Fiona Stanley Hospital is producing and if, if we can change people's perception of hospital food that's what we're here for you know to provide great food to the patients but also educate others and there's no reason why all hospitals can't have quality food.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. And I can tell you that Dave Diamond's braised beef and olive casserole is light years ahead of any food I've ever eaten in any public hospital, including the attached cafe. In fact, it's probably better than anything I've ever made. And when Fiona Stanley Hospital says it makes everything from scratch, it does mean even the chocolate brownies in the snack box, which also came with a chickpea salad. So six meals for $15.82 per patient per day. Proving that institutional food can be nutritious, appropriate and affordable all at the same time. Do leave us your stories of hospital cuisine online. Just search for us at abc.net.au slash rn. You're listening to RN First Bite. Michael McKenzie with you. And uh, we thought we'd drop in on the world of food technology. And with us again is Loz Blaine. Loz is a senior content creator with Gizmag, which is an online technology website that takes stories from around the globe. And in looking at food this time, Loz, peanuts... The anaphylactic shock associated with eating peanuts, for some people, it's on the rise around the world. One researcher has found a way of using ultraviolet
5: light to pull back on that allergic reaction. That's right. He's uh, a bloke called Wade Yang from the University of Florida. He's figured out a way to blast pulses of xenon light. First of all, he worked on peanut flour, and using these pulsed light beams, he was able to reduce the allergens, which I believe is the... uh, ARA H1 to H3 peanut proteins. He managed to blast those into submission and basically made this peanut flour totally non-allergenic. So now he's moved on to the nut itself. Now he's doing whole nuts. At this stage, I think he's up to 80% of the allergens can be removed using this technique, and he's uh, he's shooting for 99.9%. While we're talking about food allergies to lactose,
0: and there's lactose intolerance on the rise as well, test tube milk. Why do we need
5: something that's been created in the lab? The company that we're talking about here is a Silicon Valley startup called Moo Free that's worked out a way to, to synthesize milk. You know, milk is actually pretty easy to make from scratch. Most of the proteins and amino acids in milk, there's only 20-odd components that go into making milk, and most of those are pretty easy to find in, in the plant world. What these guys have worked out a way to do is impregnate yeast with some cow DNA to get the yeast to produce the actual protein that makes the curdy part of milk that's the bit that other synthetic milks have really struggled with so they often use you know almond or cashew proteins to try and get the same thing done so these guys are doing it with bioengineering and yeast and cow dna which is pretty cool but that central question of why would you do this well this is a bit of a loaded question for me i come from a a dairy farming family so uh, i hope my uncle's not listening but the way that we use animals to produce food is really inefficient. It's hard work for people like uh, my uncle. It's land and water intensive. And so if we can figure out a way to produce milk without having the animals involved at all, well, there's there's also sort of animal welfare and, and, and cruelty kind of angles. Although this, uh, I guess there's the argument of, you know, is it better to exist and be milked <laughs> than not exist and not be milked? Or, I've always favoured being milked. <laughs> I bet you if you have
0: that look in your eye. Yeah. So there's sustainability issues in, involved here and I think the researchers are claiming that if they can develop this on a scale that makes it
5: cost-efficient, it's a much cheaper way, they argue, to produce the milk in the first place. That's the dream, that's the dream, yeah. I mean, at the moment it's, it's in very early stages, so the milk that they produce will initially cost more than actual cow milk. But it's going to be, you know, the closest thing. And and because it's synthesised, you can look at proteins like uh, lactose and substitute other sugars for that stuff and, uh, you know, kind of engineer your milk to be more nutritious in this area or less allergenic in that area and and things like that.
0: Let's turn to our final story for today, Loz. I I love this story because it has everything in it that I want to hear as a parent and as someone with young children yourself. (laughs) You also will love this story. Let's play it now so people get a sense of what we're talking about here.
6: The most delicious diet in your mind. Set to Mimic recreates tastes to your preference. You can keep on eating healthy food but choose to experience the taste you really want. The plate communicates wirelessly with your brain, making you feel like you're eating chips when in fact it's cauliflower.
0: We've just heard what will change life as we know it across planet Earth. It's a commercial, ostensibly, for this product, where a child is sitting at a, a beautiful white counter and there's a black sort of... almost looks like a, a measuring scale in front of him and on top of it contains carrot and cauliflower and peas and a few other vegetables that children have difficulties with. And he looks very disappointed about He does. That. He yeah. looks completely disconsolate. And then there's a range of buttons on the front of this black weighing machine and the mother dials up chips... And it comes up, flashes a light that says chips. And as she walks past her disconsolate son looking at the meal he can't stand eating, she actually slaps a sensor on his temple. And then he picks up the cauliflower, puts it in his mouth, and his face breaks into this
5: beaming grin because it tastes <laughs> like chips. It's, uh, it's quite remarkable. Uh, the, the concept is that you can you can stick this gel patch on your head. It communicates and tricks your brain into having the sensation of the flavour of chips or whatever food you've dialed up. Chocolate crackles. Chocolate crackles. Pork crackle in my case. Yes. I, I think the, the pork crackle button would get a bit of a flogging around my table. Problem is, of course... It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's a finalist in the Electrolux Design Awards. It's a finalist. It's called Set to Mimic, and it's, I think, a university student's dream of how the kitchen of the future might kind of work.
0: It's not just her dream.
5: It's my dream as
0: well. (laughs) Really? The dream of many parents around the world. (laughs) If you can make this come to reality,
5: it would be extraordinary. There's no reason why... In theory. In theory, this couldn't happen sometime in the, in the future. Loz Blain, it's been a pleasure again. Thank you
0: so much. And uh, we'll put those stories up online so people can follow the links and uh, we'll see what reactions we get. Thank you for joining us. Great to talk to you, Michael. Cheers.
3: We started with four pasta shapes and now we have seven pappadelli, linguine, spaghetti, fettuccine, penne, spirals and lasagna
0: no this isn't a pr woman for a giant food conglomerate spruking their pasta brand this is katherine maitland part of a fifth generation grain growing family in south australia's Clare valley and i'm sitting around the kitchen table with her partner jim and his mother margot discussing their decision three years ago to not only grow the wheat but to stone grind it into their own whole grain pasta Catherine explains.
3: From when it leaves the farm, it is delivered in a truck down to the millers. We use Lauki in Strathalbyn, and they have a stone mill. So there the grain is crushed and stone milled into flour.
0: Now when you say stone milled, I've seen that on packets before. What does it mean?
3: The bran, the endosperm and the germ are all in the milling process, so nothing is removed.
0: You've got a diagram here, here. so I can sound like I know what I'm talking about too now. So the endosperm is 83% of the kernel of the wheat, and Mm -hmm. then you've got the germ being 3% of the kernel, and the bran is 14% of the kernel. So all those now in stone milling are kept as part of the process.
3: And it's a a longer process, but it means the end product is very high in fibre, low GI, very high in protein and and a much more natural, healthier product.
0: Margot Maitland, as someone who's part of the family creating, always come down the table to me. Of course, having whole grain in your pasta is a selling point, but from a health perspective, what do you think it can do for you?
6: We originally took the advice of the World Health Organisation when we were doing our research And the evidence is very strong for the benefits of reducing colon cancer, diabetes, obesity and also heart disease. So, you know, you you start to hear little snippets of information from people that this heart surgeon says, you know, whole grain. And as we sort of slowly came down the path of having just a purely whole grain product, then you realise that there are absolutely enormous health benefits with that. And I think the beauty of our flour is that we're now using it in our cooking, like biscuits, gravies, all those other sorts of things. Are they um, Are they your biscuits there? Yeah, made with a stone ground whole grain flour. And uh, it's just a bit of trial and error. But, you know, originally we did start with the pasta. Jim and Catherine have developed a lavash as well. And we're encouraged by a lot of foodies and chefs to come out with the stone ground whole grain flour as well. Ah.
0: Now the name itself let's talk about that because it comes from an Aboriginal word that's Indigenous to this region from a clan from this region.
3: That's correct so Pankara is from the Ghana language and the Ghana people are here on the Adelaide plains and further north Essentially means passing on land from generation to generation sustainably. So it's a a sort of loose translation, but we we like the fact that Jim's a fifth generation farmer, and what he and David do on the farm is is really working the land sustainably. So it's very important for our values as a brand, as well as what we practice.
0: Margot, can I ask you, as um, someone who's with a family now making their own pasta, have you passed it? through the lips and the palates of some Italians?
6: Uh, yes, the nonnas have had a tear in their eye when they have remembered the stone mill and the village that they came from when, before they came out from Italy or, or those parts of Europe that are synonymous with pasta. So, yes, the comment is often, this is what my grandmother used to make. And what's your favourite dish? Jim, I'll ask you first, what do you like this pasta in? <laughs>
5: Well, there was some leftover Papadelian smoked salmon, which must have been last night's dinner, which I had for lunch here a couple of hours ago, and that was delicious.
0: So. I, I love leftovers. Maybe it's a guy thing. I, I actually often prefer food the next day. I don't <laughs> mind it the first day too, mind you. But any meal that you don't have to cook yourself, so a delicious one, I think. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Catherine, what's your favourite dish?
3: We do this mushroom, parsley, garlic dish that Margot created at every show and tasting and we'd cook it, you know, seven hours a day and I just, I still love it.
6: So I usually just put some butter in a pan, throw in some chopped garlic, don't cook it up too much. According to Rosa Matter, you shouldn't brown your garlic too much and uh, then just chop up a heap of mushrooms, throw them in with some olive oil, salt and pepper, a pinch of truffle salt, which is not necessary but i think it just does enhance the flavour of the mushrooms and then lots of homegrown parsley chopped up right at the end thrown in i don't think it matters what variety of pasta you use for that but it seems to be a winner we have sold a lot of pastas at uh, pasta at trade shows with that with that recipe there's going to be people
0: listening who are by default gluten intolerant they they can't deal with that but there's other people who also, by choice, uh, are saying to themselves, I have too much wheat in my diet, uh, I need to pull back. What would you say to those people?
6: <laughs> it's a very interesting question. I would say to people, if they are celiac, then they should not go anywhere near wheat, obviously. We have found from our own personal use, David and I are actually quite gluten intolerant. Mm. And you're grain farmers. Yeah, I know, it's ludicrous, isn't it? We can't actually eat white bread and other products made with white flour without getting severe indigestion, which uh, may be due to all those days we had a bread maker and had beautiful, big, sort of fluffy white loaves of bread that we all ate uh, within about 15 minutes of it coming out of the bread maker. But anyway, we have found, and we have a lot of other people that have supported this, and it's... Uh, evidence is in that because the flour is made out of the whole grain it could well have some of the benefits of that in other words when this flour is milled it has the bran and the wheat germ in it as well in most cases of modern milling the bran is removed as the grain grows goes through these modern rollers the bran is removed and then the wheat germ is removed. Now, the bran has got quite a lot of very good things in it, It was, as we know, for fibre. The wheat germ's got some fantastic vitamins in it, but the vitamins are in oil form. And apparently they can get uh, warm as the process speeds up and can make the uh, flour rancid. So that's why these things are removed. With wholemeal products, uh, what generally happens is that the bran is put back in. I find that the bran is peeled off a bit flaky. So with the stone milling we find that the the flour microns are all the same rather than having a flaky bran in a very silky smooth flour. So I think that certainly helps with the cooking but I certainly think the addition of those vitamins just makes the product a lot easier to digest. In other words, the vitamins are still there that you need to turn the starch into energy. We've got, I've got friends that are so allergic to wheat they break out in hives and they'll munch through pasta once a week if it's made with our flour. I can't work that out other than I just think it's the whole grain thing.
0: They, they must have been so relieving for you because, uh, you know, imagine if you gave your friends this as a present and knowing that they were, you know, wheat intolerant, gluten intolerant and they felt the need to eat it just to please you and it made them sick.
6: That would have been terrible. <laughs> I don't think I could have lived with myself. No, 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 I can imagine. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sure there will always be people that have, for various reasons, eliminated grain out of their diet. But just for the general run-of-the-mill people that get bloating and indigestion, it does seem to make a huge difference.
0: Margot, Catherine, Jim, thank you all very much indeed.
6: You can see some of the images of the Maitlands
0: and their farm and pasta on the RN First Bite website. Plus, I'll post a link from the Victorian Department of Health on the benefits of whole grains. There'll also be links on all the stories you've heard today and you can download the audio as well. Next time, are children on vegan diets really under nutritional threat? And we visit one of Australia's only vegetarian butchers. Matthew Sigley on Technical Production. I'm Michael McKenzie and I'll talk to you soon.